News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Macias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change that our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. What are we at? What episode are we at? Nine? No, wait, one, two. It's yes, nine. nine. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Welcome back to episode nine of the Luke Messiah Show. I am here with uh, my co-host Raz Schaefer. How are you doing today, Raz? I am blessed, brother. That is awesome. So we had a conversation today uh, that we will share with you with Representative Kyle Biederman and Jonathan Sticklin. Jonathan Sticklin is up in the North Texas area, Hearst, Ulysses, and Bedford, and Kyle Biederman represents Fredericksburg, Bernie, New Braunfels, uh, the Hill Country, beautiful Hill Country area. He's also my state representative and somebody I've worked with for quite some time, as well as Representative Sticklin. Um, I asked both of them to come on, though, because they have a unique perspective. They both were in a hearing that was held several weeks ago where both the General Land Office of Texas, who owns the Alamo, who is has the rights and governing over the Alamo here in Texas, uh, really takes care of it for us. We, the taxpayers, own it. And then the city of San Antonio sent a representative to a hearing held with the Land and Resource Management Committee that they both serve on, where the plan to reimagine the Alamo is taking place. And so just to give y'all a quick background and we'll get right to that interview and conversation. Um, you have a situation where the city of San Antonio plans on completely not only renovating, but reimagining what the Alamo is currently. Today, if you go there, you encounter a battlefield and are told the story of how the Texas um, military forces and the individuals um, that we so respect, whether it's Davy Crockett or Jim Bowie, a set of individual Texans and some that weren't even from Texas came to defend uh, our state and came to defend our state against Santa Ana, who then came in. And everyone knows the story of the Alamo and um, what the city of San Antonio is currently planning on doing is completely renovating the complex. And instead of making it about the Alamo, making it about what they say is 10,000 years of history. And so they want to tell the story of the indigenous people that once roamed these lands. They want to tell the story of the missions that existed and what they did. And, um, and then, yes, there might be also a mention that at some point there was a battle that everyone in America knows about called the Alamo. And here's what happened. So Raz, when you heard this story, you probably didn't have a ton of context to everything that's been going on and leading up to this. So give me some context to what your takeaways were from the conversation. Well, I'll lead off by just saying that this, I learned more during listening to this conversation about what's going on at the Alamo and the problems with it than in the last couple of years combined. So I, I think it's a really very valuable opportunity, uh, as well as there's a lot of stuff that's happening now that we're in the legislative session. Uh, part of what the representatives mentioned was that so much has happened since the last time the legislature was in session that they have not had the opportunity to have a voice here and not given been, been given that opportunity. But the second is that, you know, this is not the first time I've heard about what's going on or moving the cenotaph. I think, though, that many of our listeners will you know, have heard of the issue, but they've discounted it. And I'll admit that I have been frequently in the in that position because many of the people who talk about it and who who focus on it and brought it to people's attentions are less than perfect messengers. It's too frequently looped in with Alex Jones and New World Order and UN and all this you know, stuff that is 
you know, easily put out there as far as conspiracy theory, theory stuff. But the representatives today in your conversation did a really good job of saying, look, this is, this is quite simply an issue of how we're going to use one of the most sacred spots in Texas and how we're going to uh, you present that to the world. It's, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's actually happening. And it's not about it's, it's not some big, broad thing with the U.N. and all this. This is simply that we have people that are Americans, that are San Antonians, that are Texans, who are saying we should not have this focused on an important battle, probably the most important battle of our t- state's history. And I think that it should be the focus. It's amazing. I, I uh, mentioned this, I think, in the podcast, but I've been to Gettysburg, right, which is, I think, an amazing battlefield oh, yeah. of the Civil War. And, um, you know, it would be very strange if you went to the Gettysburg battle and there was just a random statue of an Indian, of a Native American, and you go, okay, was this gentleman in the Battle of Gettysburg? <laughs> no, but if you take the 10,000 years of history into context, then there was a time that there was a tribe of Indians here in the area that Gettysburg still stands. And you're like, okay, I get that. And I'm not even against creating other monuments and recognitions of, you know, different indigenous people, but it seems incredibly disrespectful to take the Battle of the Alamo, to take the location where the Alamo took place and make it something other than a complete and utter, uh, uh, you know, site dedicated to telling the story of over 180 men and you know that gave their lives um, and that set Texas on a course um, of history that makes us what we are today. So anyways, without further ado, I want to get straight to this conversation. Guys, here's my conversation with Representative Kyle Biederman and Jonathan Sticklin on what's going on with the Alamo. Guys, today's show is sponsored by Direct Action Texas. You can visit them at directactiontx.com. Direct Action Texas is a political advocacy organization in the DFW area. They focus on four main areas, uh, government transparency, government ethics, public debt, civil liberties. They have a single mission. It's to help the grassroots take action in changing local government. On top of that, they have become the premier organization, the leading voice when it comes to uh, voter fraud, election fraud, voter integrity. Um, Daniel Greer is their new executive director, and he is doing work in the Capitol. He's doing work um, in the grassroots, writing about, researching voter fraud all across the state of Texas, election fraud that we are dealing with here in our in our state. We need that organization actively involved. If you want to be engaged in what they're doing, if you want to be informed as to what they're being involved in, go to directactiontx.com, directactiontx.com, sign up to be on their email list, make a small donation, support the efforts they're doing. It's well worth your time. It's well worth your effort. I would greatly encourage you to check them out. Well, Representative Biederman, thank you so much for joining us today and having a discussion about, I think, a, a important part of history that most Texans would probably consider, um, I don't know, probably our most sacred event uh, that really matters when it comes to what makes Texas, Texas, and that's the Alamo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for, uh, uh, you know, full disclosure, Representative Biederman is my representative, somebody who I've been, uh, had the pleasure of working with for years and uh, helped get elected and um, has just been a phenomenal representative that I know we in New Braunfels and Bernie and Fredericksburg are proud of. And I asked him to sit down with us and Representative Stickland is going to join us in just a little bit to have a conversation about 
the hearing that happened um, just this month on the Alamo, but wanted to bring you in, Kyle, to give our listeners an opportunity to hear about really what's going on with the Alamo. Mm -hmm. And so I think the best way to start this conversation is if you could kind of give us a background of when the discussion first started when it comes to changing the what we currently know as the Alamo, mm-hmm. when it came to your attention, and, and kind of give us a little bit of a timeline for Texans to know. Hey, well, Luke, thank you very much for having me on. And again, it's uh, your fault that I'm a state representative. So <laughs> <laughs> just want everyone to know that. And I want to thank you for that. So, uh, But you, know, you said a minute ago that, uh, that the Alamo is one of the most sacred pieces of ground in the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, it's one of the most sacred pieces of ground to people all over the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a, um, uh, an amazing place and one of the top attractions for people to come to Texas and to, to visit. And because of the battle, mm-hmm. that's it. They don't come for any other reason mm-hmm. but the battle. And that's what we want to protect. And yep. that's what all Texans should want to protect. And, and that's what all people all over the world uh, want to see when they get here. But uh, getting involved in, in uh, so deeply in the Alamo was not something I had on my radar. Yep. I mean, I live, I live in Texas, and I've been to the Alamo, and uh, I think it's amazing. It makes yep. me cry every time I watch that movie and just realize what these brave defenders did, mm-hmm. knowing what was going to happen. And you just see the courage of these defenders, and it's just amazing. And the whole story, and then, of course, it ends up in San Jacinto where, um, you know, the... Uh, um, uh, Houston, General Houston goes and, and wins the battle in eight eight minutes or whatever mm-hmm. it might have been. And, and we have Texas independence, and Texas becomes a country. Yeah. I mean, the Republic of Texas. This wasn't even a state. This yeah. was a republic. And uh, just phenomenal. And that's what makes Texas such an amazing state because of what happened at the Alamo and then, of course, the final victory at San Jacinto. But uh, about a year and a half ago, um, you know, I was hearing rumblings about this new re-envision or re-imagine the Alamo, mm-hmm. and I'm just trying to figure out what does that mean? Yeah. And of course, we were asked for money from the state for mm-hmm. the Alamo, and and I uh, went and visited. We had a day for legislators to come to the Alamo, so uh, George P. Bush, our commissioner of mm-hmm. the General Land Office, wanted to show us what was going on and, of course, encourage uh, us to be able to pass the bill to give them $75 million. Mm. Uh, and so I spoke with a few other legislators that went that day. And, and this we would said, have been last session, is that uh, correct? This was uh, last session. Okay. Right. And uh, it was, you know, we want to make sure the money goes to the repairs of the Alamo Church yep. and the Long Barracks, and not for any anything that the city of San Antonio wants to have done. They can use their own money for that since yep. they own the land in front and um, so forth. We want to make sure we take care of Texas's property uh, and Texas taxpayers' property. So just just so uh, everyone can understand, the, the current situation is that the city owns the land in front, and then the state owns the church the and the long prints of the of the Alamo. What we what we look at I, as the Alamo. That's correct. And then when you get out to the front of it and the street in front, that's owned by the city. Then the GLO, the state of Texas, bought the buildings across the street, okay. which will which will become the museum and the visitor center. And so we wanted to make sure the money went there. And so mm-hmm. uh, we were told by the GLO that the land in front would be conveyed to the state of Texas. Okay. Because the state of Texas was putting most of the money in and because the GLO was managing the site. Got it. And so we felt comfortable. So we didn't question what was going on. Uh, and it turns out that that appropriation 
uh, had a lot more leeway on how it could be spent because mm. it was just stuck in the budget and everyone mm -hmm. just trusted uh, the GLO basically mm -hmm. to do what's right for the state of Texas. Got it. Okay. So then we find out uh, later on that that's not what happened. The money was used for a lot of other things. We had all this reimagining going on and a lot of concerns with glass walls and, and so forth. Yep. Uh, and so I'm starting to kind of get worried about it. So they had another meeting uh, for legislators about six months after that. This was still uh, about a year and a half ago okay. after session, last okay. session. And so I'm questioning the GLO. I'm questioning the city of San Antonio. I'm saying, uh, why are you being so non-transparent about the Alamo? Why aren't you, um, you know, just letting people know what's going on? Yep. And why don't you be, um, you know, where's your uh, public relations and things yep. like that? And uh, these are the concerns I have. Why don't you answer our concerns? Yep. And so we weren't getting any answers. You know, they were just doing what they wanted to do. So I was questioning uh, Commissioner Bush a year and a half ago mm -hmm. and the general land office yep. and as a legislator. And I was the only legislator that showed up at that next that meeting about a year and a half ago. And in the meantime, I had met somebody from Fredericksburg who is um, an Alamo expert yep. and a descendant of a defender. And um, this is Lee White. And she, you know, informed me and taught me about the Alamo. And that's what really helped me a lot to know what was going on. And so uh, getting information from her, I was then asking questions to the GLO and not getting answers. Uh, and so um, uh, we kept trying to get answers. We couldn't get them. And so I started getting more and more involved, having press conferences at the, at the Alamo, at the Cenotaph, uh, wanting to um, you know, uh, force the media to at least, hey, let's start talking about mm -hmm. this and attending the meetings that they had. They had these public meetings. And at every public meeting, the majority of the people were against uh, moving the Cenotaph and a number of other things. But yet they didn't seem to care. And they never published that there was um, resistance to what was going on at the Alamo and the Alamo plan. And then we find out uh, that the land is not going to be conveyed anymore. Now we find out that there's going to be, uh, that it's a World Heritage Site. It's going to stay a World Heritage Site. San Antonio wants to be a World Heritage Site, doesn't want to change it, wants to be, uh, to make it more of a mission and 10,000 years of history. And we're really starting to get concerned now. And at what point did that enter the conversation, timeline-wise? So that was back uh, probably August of last year. Of last year. It started really heating up. So I remember, you know, a year and a half ago, people were talking about concerns that the Cenotaph would get moved, concerns with the glass wall. I know Jerry Patterson brought that up in his primary campaign and George mm -hmm. P. Bush, that we're going to have this glass wall, and that's not going to be ideal. But in those discussions, it, we really hadn't entered this time where we were talking about not actually making the Alamo side about the Battle of the Alamo. I mean, That's meaning correct. some people thought it might be less reverent right. uh, to have a glass wall, to move the cenotaph, things like that. But it, it didn't seem to have entered the conversation of actually redoing what we even make this site about. Well, you know, uh, you know, bringing back the footprint, all those things are fine. What are you going to see and what is going to happen on that footprint? And what is the plan? What is the theme? Things like that. So when we found out, um, well, actually, there's three committees. Then you have an advisory council, okay. and there's 29 members there, and they're all basically uh, the elites in San Antonio or okay. the people that are in agreement with what they're doing. And they're the ones voting. So okay. it's not the people and the information to get out to the people. So that first vote to approve the Alamo plan with all those components in it uh, was on a Thursday night, August 30th. 
Okay. I went to that meeting, and uh, they voted unanimous, unanimously for the Alamo Plan, and they passed out the Alamo Plan with the guiding principles of what we're going to see on the footprint, on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they also um, gave us the uh, plan of what's going to happen for the next month or two, which would include having the management committee then sign off on it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, a lease, long-term lease, becomes um, a big part of what was going to be signed in the next uh, month. So that was Thursday night. Uh, uh, Commissioner Bush had called a meeting for Friday morning, the 31st, the next day, um, for the five members of the Freedom Caucus, or six members of the Freedom Caucus, um, because um, he knew that we had concerns, and he thought Mm -hmm. he was going to be able to talk us into, oh, it's okay, the plan is great, and the lease is no problem. Well, he didn't know I knew as much as I did. And so at that meeting, I held up the guiding principles. I held up the lease, and I asked him, are these the things that you're going to sign? Are these the things that you want to have happen at the Alamo? Do you want 10,000 years of history? Here it is in black and white. It was given to us the night before at the vote, which was unanimous. Is this what you want? And he told the six of us, no. He said, I don't want San Antonio to be in charge and control. We don't want a long-term lease where we have to do what they say. And if we need to eminent domain, we need to eminent domain. Moving at the cenotaph, they couldn't give an answer of why they want to move it. Uh, they just want it moved. And so we went through all those things at that meeting. And from there on, we knew, we were told that, oh, we're nowhere close to having a lease. It's not even been written yet. And don't worry, there's no rush. And the management committee's not even ready to vote. Uh, we have things we still have to work out. Well, it turns out the management committee voted three days later. Yes. And then the lease was already done. So so just to go back real quick in timeline, you know, two years ago, you had a number of individuals, I think some would say it's maybe it's a smaller group of people that had concerns because there was conversations about changing the Alamo. And at the time, it was told, we were told that this is just repairing some things didn't need to be repaired and all that. So the legislature appropriated money mm-hmm. to the GLO to make these repairs, but here are our concerns. None of that's going to happen. Okay. Then you have six months later, oh, well, maybe there's this glass wall that has us concern. Maybe they're going to move the cenotaph. We don't know if we like that. So that raises a whole nother set of concerns. Those conversations are had, some behind closed doors, some mm-hmm. publicly. And then we r- fast forward to August of 2018, and all of the current plan is revealed, which goes far beyond a glass wall and a cenotaph and all that. And and that's when this meeting took place, and then that leads us into mm-hmm. this session. So uh, just so that all our listeners know, Representative Stickland has, has joined us, and we're now going to kind of get into a discussion about the committee that was had, the Land and Resource Management Committee, which Representative Stickland and, and Biederman both serve on, had a meeting. And I think this probably bought, brought some things to light that other people were not aware of. And uh, Jonathan, I want to kind of bring you in the discussion at this point. Mm. Uh, going into that committee, the day of the meeting, right? We um, Let, Can you give us an idea? I want to just say something real yeah, quick about that ahead. meeting. So I had confronted and had uh, uh, press conferences at the Alamo calling out Commissioner Bush and the mayor of San Antonio. If you sign this, we will, when we get to session, yep. we will have legislation to go against your plan. And yep. we will do what we can to defund. Yep. Okay? So we told them back in September we were going to do that. Got it. If they signed, well, they signed right away. And so this hearing had to be done because we wanted to expose 
what was happening mm-hmm. before we started hearing these bills in case we don't get the bills to the floor. We wanted yep. to expose. And so that's where this hearing was that we Got it. Uh, set up in the uh, Atlanta Resource uh, Management Committee. So I think Jonathan has a unique perspective because uh, I know, Jonathan, you were not as involved in Kyle in right. the goings-on in the Alamo. I mean, he's much closer regionally. Yeah. He was there. What? How much understanding did you have going into the meeting, and what do you feel like you took away from mm-hmm. after the committee hearing? So... Not much before. Um, I had, you know, some general feelings. Uh, quite a few folks who, you know, um, care about history and, and Texas had reached out. I saw some some talk, a little bit of talk about it during the um, election process when mm-hmm. Bush was on the ballot, and there was what I would describe as a smaller group of people who were upset. And the biggest problem was is, is trying to find information. That that's what seemed to be valuable yep. because it was so rare. Um, it was very hard to get any straight answers. So. You know, I very early on in the session, you know, this was land and resource management was a committee that I asked for because it's got jurisdiction over the GLO and eminent domain issues. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to peer into this more. So um, I was very excited to learn more and kind of wanted to reserve some of my feelings to actually hear it from the horse's mouth. So, you know, along with Representative Biederman and, and his leadership, uh, we decided very quickly uh, that we wanted to ask Chairman Craddock to have Commissioner Bush and the city of San Antonio, the mayor, yep. uh, come to just tell us what's really going on because things have changed, answers are kind of convoluted, like this this, this is way harder to figure out what's going on than it should be. So we asked him there, and you know, the first thing for me that was telling was that neither of them showed up. Hmm. And, you know, in the legislature, when... I don't, I don't ever recall someone being invited to any committee since I've been here not showing up. In yeah. fact, it's usually like trying to keep them from being involved in every little thing. Yep. So, you know, that really put a sour taste in my mouth that the mayor or the commissioner did not show up themselves. And then we end up, you know, talking to a staffer um, who finds it much more easy to avoid really answering some of our questions so um after that it was it was pretty amazing what we were able to uncover i think it was a big misstep for them not showing up and facing the music i mean you know as as someone who's just trying to get to the bottom of this and seek the truth you know this wasn't a setup or anything i I was fully prepared to walk out of there thinking that either one of them were doing the the great you know the greatest thing in the world Mm -hmm. and this was going to be good and instead i walked out very concerned and so nervous what, about the future. What would you say your perception was? Because I, I think Kyle, again, was really knee deep or chest high or anything in this situation. And so what was your perspective going in? And then what was your perspective coming out? My, my perspective going in was that there was not enough transparency and there was a concern that people did not have the same motivation in regards to the Alamo that myself and other lovers of Texas and liberty and history would and should have. Walking out, my perception is that the real bad actor in all of this is the city of San Antonio. And that unfortunately, it feels like currently the land commissioner, rather than fighting to preserve the history of the battle, is not standing up and fighting. Like you should be. So um, give us 
Jonathan, then I'll have Kyle come in. G- give us kind of a 60-second version of what you think they are trying to do. To well, What are the changes they want to make? What should Texans be aware of? What What is the average Texan walking down? Yeah. I mean, you have a normal person who's going to San Antonio this summer to see the Alamo, yeah. and they're going to do that, right? Yeah. And so when they come back two or three years from now, right. what is it that they're even going to walk into based yeah. on your understanding well, of that hearing? And the frustrating part is, I think, you know, originally when we came into legislature, everybody agrees the Alamo, sacred place, something that should be taken seriously. Uh, would love to see some improvements in general. The problem with the city of San Antonio is, is that this is purely a revenue thing for them, okay? This is about making money yep. and collecting taxes. It's not about the history, in my opinion. And so this is all about, you know, how can we pack everybody in here? Um, It's not about the truth. It's not about what actually happened. It's not about the sacrifice of the men who gave their lives. This is is about money to them. And um, that's that's not the story of the Alamo, in my opinion. What, uh, Kyle, what is it that they're actually, can you get, get into some of the details of what they're actually can, can, I, can, I, can I tell you a quick story? Because yes. this, this to me was a, a, pivot, a pivotal moment. So one of the big questions is, should we move the Cenotaph or not? Yes. What is the Cenotaph? Cenotaph, large statue that commemorates the sacrifice of the people at the Alamo. Okay, This is the one thing that stands out that everybody walking by says, oh, a battle took place here. Okay, And that's what prompts people, in my opinion, who don't know the history, to say, what happened? Oh, there was a battle. What were they fighting for? Those are the questions we want people to go and to walk away with the great story of the Alamo. Yep. So the Cenotaph to me is what signifies that there was a battle, there was a sacrifice there. So we get into a line of questioning in the committee hearing. And and we're like, well, are you moving the Cenotaph? When we finally got to that and they admitted the Cenotaph is being moved, then it was a question of where is the Cenotaph being moved to and why? We've pulled a couple of things away. Number one, the city of San Antonio is currently in charge and owns the Cenotaph. They were originally given the Cenotaph, okay, by the people who built it, so that they could take care of it, okay? Now, part of their thing is, oh, we need to move the Cenotaph because it's in bad shape. Oh, so the the people who've kept it in bad shape and not taking care of it, now all of a sudden are concerned and want to move it. Okay, well, where do you want to move it to? So we established that they want to set up this free amendment zone at the Alamo, okay? A free the, speech zone, yeah, is that right? Free, yeah, I'm sorry. And so the protesters and all the, the crazy people and the streakers and the partiers and the people drinking, they're all, they all got to go to this one area over here as to get it away from the focus of the Alamo, okay? So we've established this is going to be an area over here to get rid of the riffraff. And I think that was a term that was actually used in the committee. So then the next question was, okay, in relation to that, where's the Cenotaph going? Oh, well, it turns out we're putting it in that area too. Oh, wait, so you're setting up this free speech zone to get people away from the focus of the Alamo, yet you are taking the Cenotaph, which signifies the battle, and putting it in the area that you don't want people to focus on. Yet then you're trying to get me to believe that the Cenotaph is going to be in this prominent position. So it was like those two things connecting on the committee. And you're like, well, on one hand, this is the area you want things to go away. On the other hand, you're trying to sell me that the Cenotaph is going to be the highlight of it. Clearly, it's not. And that, to me, was a moment where it was just like, these people have an agenda. 
and it's about erasing what happened here in the battle. And these people cannot be trusted with the restoration and the improving of the Alamo and the complex. That was it for me. So, uh, Kyle, what if you were to give the average Texan a 60-second version of what exactly they're doing to the Alamo, right? They go, I don't know, they're moving this, they're doing this. I mean, these are people that have been, a lot of Texans have visited the Alamo, they've seen it, they've done the tour and gotten the stories and read the Travis letter and did that, you know, they've had that experience. If they say, Representative Biederman, what exactly are you telling me they're going to do to what is currently known as the Alamo? Mm-hmm. What, what, are, what are some of the highlights you're going to tell them based on the current plan? Well, the p- current plan, the focus is to tell the whole story that's never been told. Now, I don't know what story's not been told. We know what happened to Battle of Alamo. Yep. They were, the 189 got killed and murdered by Santa Ana. He dragged the bodies away four, four blocks and burned them to make sure there would never be a burial there. And that's the reason we have a cenotaph, which is an empty tomb and a monument to the defenders, because uh, they weren't able to be buried there. Uh, did, and it so, con- did it concern you in the committee when the lady, when you asked yep. her about that, what did Santa Ana do with the bodies? The historical expert for the city of San Antonio didn't know. couldn't answer the question. She didn't Mind know. boggling. Well, what, go ahead. What's even worse is she said, oh, we don't know where they died. The, where they were buried. No, no, no. We don't know no. where they died. Oh, where they died. So yeah. we have a oh, cenotaph. that's right. That's what yeah. she said. Yeah. So we have this monument to the defendants, but we don't even know where they died. It's not in the right place anyway. And it's like, where do you think they died? They all died right there. At least 150 to 170 of them died right there. Yep. But, you know, oh, but we don't know where. And then the they'll actually t- the GLO has actually said, well, there's no defenders buried here, so we need we can move the cenotaph. Well, of course they're not buried there. Santa Ana dragged them away because Santa Ana knew how important a burial is, a burial site. And he wanted all remembrance of these radical Texans who who defied him, and he killed and murdered them, which is war crimes, and burned their bodies. He didn't want any remembrance. And, of course, he didn't know he was going to lose in in, uh, San Jacinto. Mm. So that's why they're not there. And so basically to tell everybody we are going to be moving the uh, monument to the defenders um, so that we can replace it with 10,000 years of history, the whole story of that site, and put in burial markers for the indigenous Indians and statues of the indigenous Indians um, and um, how do you tell the whole story 10,000 years and make the battle still relevant and reverent and prominent? So, These are all the words they use, prominent. Uh, Commissioner Bush, the mm-hmm. person he sent, said, Commissioner Bush just really wants us to make the battle the most prominent, um, you know, reverent thing there is on the battlefield, and yet we're going to mix 10,000 years of history and blend it all together. That's well, what it, here, here, here's the part. So they kept using this language of, Oh, we, we want we want it to be we want to restore the battlefield. Reclaim. Okay. Yeah. And 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 you know, just to give you an idea, putting ten thousand years of history, which I don't even believe the earth is that old. <laughs> okay. Uh, which I brought up in the deal. Amen. But this is what they kept this is what they kept saying. Ten that the point of doing that is to drown out the battle. Mm-hmm. They want to act like the battle didn't happen. This is the liberal agenda. I really believe that. Well, how about we're, the- we're gonna we're gonna just put all this stuff in there to take away the focus of the actual battle. I, I think it's interesting. Um, I spent a lot of time. We lived in Delaware for two years, and so my you know I was homeschooled. My mom's a, a history major, and so we of course were um, you know constantly going to Civil War battlefield after Civil War battlefield, and um, 
we went to Gettysburg and Fredericksburg and Williamsburg and all those different um, Civil War battlefields. But in the course of that, you know, if you were going to make a Getty, I think Gettysburg's the coolest battlefield if you've never been. It's just a phenomenal experience and you tour it and you get to really understand what the huge, huge battle that took place during, during that time in the Civil War. And if you said, hey, we want to make Gettysburg better, well, how? Well, we need to tell the full 10,000 years of history <laughs> of Gettysburg. You're like, it really wasn't a 10,000-year-long battle. It was mm. it was actually much shorter than that. So well. I don't understand taking an existing... I mean, the the I don't even know how many days the, the Alamo battle was. Maybe, maybe 13. What it, 13 days, right? So it, I don't understand why we need to tell a 10,000-year story of a 13-day battle. Right. Well, it was a 13-day siege, about a uh, less than a 30-minute battle. They were all dead by 6.30 in the morning. That yep. was it. I mean, they yep. just came in and just yep. came over the walls and just murdered every one of them. Yep. And, you know, but that's the whole point. When people come to the Alamo, that's what they want to see, and that's why they've come. And that's the thing that's so scary. We have quotes from the people from San Antonio, the mayor and city councilmen, mm. talking about, oh, both sides were you know, heroic and both sides this. Mm -hmm. and, and then we have another quote uh, from one of the city councilmen that said, oh, well, that was racialized and unsophisticated, and we're going to change all that on the yeah. uh, Alamo battlefield. I mean, these are the quotes that we have so many we know the intentions of the city of San Antonio. Yep. And the, the thing that's so sad is that the person that's supposed to be protecting the taxpayers of Texas and protecting the Alamo mm -hmm. and claims to be the one that wants to make it the uh, prominent thing on the battlefield, uh, commissioner of the GLO, is allowing all this to happen. And the most important part is that lease guarantees and it's signed, it guarantees the movement of the cenotaph to the free speech area, and it guarantees that the GLO, who will now be managing the whole site yep. uh, under the lease, must continue to um, um, follow the Alamo plan and the guiding principles. And mm. it's in there word for word at least 10 or 12 times. Yep. So when I spoke actually to Commissioner Bush today on the House floor, I told him these things. This is what we need to change. I asked, "Can we? Is there any way that you're gonna that you can, you know, talk to us about these things before I let every one of these legislators know what you've done?" And uh, he said, "Oh, the lease doesn't say that. We don't have to follow the lease." I said, "Here it is. Is exactly what it says." That's not what the city of San Antonio thinks. Yeah, no. the city of San Antonio thinks they got to follow the lease. Well, um, Jonathan was amazing. So, Jonathan, I have a lot of the knowledge. Jonathan has the common sense to ask the right questions. Yep. And when he asks well, these questions in the hearing... I'm mad. I'm just mad. Right. <laughs> I mean, uh, Jonathan you know. goes, is there... How many sites are there like the Alamo? How many Alamos are there in Texas? And you're going to mess this one up and put 10,000 years of history on the only Alamo site there is. And so it, I'm assuming... And Luke, Luke, here's what they're trying to do. So, you know, they're trying to say, oh, well, we want to tell the story of the mission. No one's against that, okay? But they want it to be the highlight. And I'm like, well, how many how many missions like this one, okay, are there in San Antonio? And they're like, uh, you know, five or more. Okay, well then go, you know, put the story of the mission inside the museum, yeah. okay, and make it a let the battle be the focus because we can't recreate this anywhere else. You can tell the story of all the other stuff they're talking about at another location. Yep, it's not the only one. No. There's one Alamo. That's right. Okay, there's one battle that that set us on this trajectory. 
Mm-hmm. And it 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 was so infuriating to sit there and listen to people who I just felt were some government bureaucrats who did not care. And, you know, for me as a legislator, we don't get to do a redo on this one. We mess up this story once and we will never get it back. We don't get to bring back the highlight of the battle and the place. So if we drop the ball on this and allow these leftists to come in and try and rewrite history by adding all this other stuff and moving the stuff about the battle and making it, you know, all of this, all the different ways that they're trying to manipulate the situation. We mess it up and that's on us forever. Well, here it is. So the legislators that are in legislation this session, 181 of us, Mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, reps and senators, it's on us. Our name will be placed on this forever, whether we stood up for the defenders like they stood up for the state of Texas mm. and the country of mm. Texas. Uh, it's on us. Our name will always be there. And uh, that's something that's going to go down in history forever. And we, this is, it's now or never. I mean, this is our San Jacinto. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alamo, they signed off. We lost the Alamo already. Yep. It's up to the legislature who was not in session for the last year and a half, who never yep. got this information, who the GLO and the city of San Antonio never asked the public for their their, uh, you know, for their input mm-hmm. um, because they never took polls and never really asked them. They just did the meetings and then they just, you know, didn't really ignore the people that were against it. Uh, we have polling that we've done. We've had robocalls that we've done all over the state and within San Antonio. And it's every time over 60 percent do not want to move the cenotaph. Mm-hmm. Uh, less than 10 percent say yes and about 30% really don't even know what's going on. Yep. And yet they said we had all these meetings and we've you know communicated, but yet there hasn't been a news article ever done until finally last week, was the, or actually this week was the first article. Uh, they would never print any of the information I've been giving you today. They's, nobody would print it. This is the first time. So correct me if I'm wrong. You essentially have a situation in which the state of Texas started out saying we want to make some repairs to the Alamo. You then have a situation in which the city and the state of Texas, and and the way the current agreement is set up, George P. Bush or Ron Nuremberg could essentially veto any changes made, right? It's kind of one of those Mm -hmm. where we have to both be on board or or nothing happens. Well, that's what I, when I spoke with uh, Commissioner Bush today on the House floor, I said, Let's just leave the cenotaph. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get out of the lease, like you told us, six legislators face to face, and let's eminent domain take that over, and let's do what is right on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. He said, "Well, I just can't do that." I said, "Yes, you can." Well, and, and here's the other part too. I mean, like I, I have no idea why the city of San Antonio is even involved. Okay, the city of San Antonio was created by the state. Mm-hmm. They should not have equal partnership in a historic, you know, preserving history. They just don't. The city of San Antonio it could change on a dime. I mean, it's liberal right now. It could get even worse, okay? It could get better. I, I don't know why they even have a say in this matter anymore um, because they are a creation of the state. So, you know, to me, we need to focus on telling the truth and being accurate in history, and we need to make this the Alamo, not a political issue. 
like the mayor and the city council in San Antonio have already tried to make it. Mm -hmm. Okay, they're speaking to their liberal crowd. They're trying to, uh, you know, bring political correctness in and make Santa Ana not the murderer that he was. Okay, they they want to use this as a political football. Mm. The Alamo cannot be a political football. We have to tell the truth so that it won't happen again. And and we now know, I mean, it is there. There's no theorizing on whether this is or is not what they want to do. They have made it clear to the Texas legislature mm-hmm. that they want to take this site and instead of making it about the Battle of the Alamo, which was, you know, a couple weeks long, they want to make it about the 10,000 years of history on this in this particular footprint. And we want to talk about, you're going to walk in and see statues of indigenous individuals. And once there were Indians that roamed this land, and then you will see, uh, you know, here's what they did in a mission and and all these different things. Flooring that was not there during the battle. And then at some point you will get told that the Alamo was also part of one of the things that happened in 10,000 years. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a insane idea about what, (laughs) why don't, why don't we do that on every at every single location that we have, right? I mean, like yeah. I said, every Civil War battlefield we have, every historical marker, this happened here in history, and oh, by the way, here's the rest of what happened during our supposed 10,000 years that this lot existed. Luke, I mean, it's no different than the leftist agenda that is going on across this nation. Mm-hmm. There are certain things that they have deemed bad or not politically correct and they want to act like it never happened. They are literally erasing our ancestors and our history so that they can rewrite it to fit their leftist agenda. Okay? So, exactly. Kyle, you have filed legislation. Can, can you tell our listeners exactly what your legislation does and where it is in the process? Well, right now we're waiting to, um, uh, to be given a hearing mm-hmm. um, in the Tourism and Recreation uh, okay. Committee. Um, so my legislation, HB 1836, which mm. I'm so grateful we got that number. We That's waited awesome. for it. And so the legislation basically is uh, don't move the cenotaph. Mm-hmm. And for the state of Texas to exercise eminent nobane, uh, the GLO, give, you know, the legislature mm-hmm. giving the GLO the right to eminent domain the land in front that's owned by the sen- by the city of mm-hmm. San Antonio so that we have the land like we were supposed to or we were told we were going to be given mm-hmm. when we gave the money. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what my bill is. Okay. And then there's eight other bills. And, Kyle, that, that removes the city of San Antonio that's from correct. having a say, which is an important key. As long yes. as we get out of that lease. The lease is the only say the city of San Antonio has besides, obviously, infrastructures like pipes and electrical and mm-hmm. plumb, you know, things underground and so forth. But that's the only say they have. That's why they will not convey it. That's why the lease is there so that they can still have their agenda um, to be able to have their say-so in what happens on that site. And they have made it clear that they want to make it a site about indigenous people and the history of all the things that happened. The church, that's not why, the battle. And, yeah. oh, by the way, at some point there was a battle here. And that's why, I mean, they're not going to say it that way, but we got, you know, they were on record. Yep. And that's why we had that hearing, not for the bill, we had the hearing just to ask them the questions about yep. the Alamo, which they have never been challenged on by anybody yep. that really knows. And the legislature doesn't know because they never yeah. told us these, this information. Well, Kyle, so that- we got them on record saying all these things, the city of San Antonio saying what their motivations and their desire for the mm-hmm. site is. And, of course, the GLO not being able to uh, deny 
what is happening. Yeah. So we have it um, from that hearing. So, you know, as someone who didn't know as much as Kyle, I'm looking mm-hmm. at this little packet that they've put together. Okay, this is their rendition of the Alamo plan. Yep. And literally every slide, every artist's rendition, I'm looking at this thing. I can't, there's no indication that any battle, there's kids walking around with cotton candy and, you know, these, these uh, Indians walking. Like, you have no, I'm like, is this the Alamo? Is this the it, battlefield? Is, is yep. this it? Because yep. in most of their stuff, I, I can't even tell. The thing Literally is, can't tell. It will in be, their own drawings. So the, when we're talking about the 10,000 years of history, we're talking about all the way to present time. So uh, unfortunately, the city of San Antonio did not plan well, did not mm-hmm. protect the Alamo. The daughters yeah. But we're saved supposed it. to trust them now, Kyle. The, the daughters <laughs> saved it uh, on the 100-year anniversary of mm-hmm. the battle. Um, then the, the um, uh, federal government built that monument yep. uh, to the defenders. At the same time, they built San Jacinto Monument, and they said, we will deed this to you, San Antonio, if you maintain it, which they never did. They built yep. buildings up all around the mm-hmm. Alamo. They never really took care of the Alamo. Now, yeah. all of a sudden, they think that they're, oh, it's so important to them, uh, and yet uh, then just they kick... Trust kicked, us. Trust they, us. You know, it's just, it's just a sad situation, and it's so clear and obvious if you really look at it and you get away from the wording and the twisted way they present their Alamo plan. And so when you present it and you show how it, what it really says, that's where the concerns uh, for never having the Alamo be the same ever again. So if, if Texans are concerned that this is happening and they don't want um, a complete transformation of what they currently know as the Alamo um, to go underway, uh, you know, according to the, what the city of San Antonio and the GLF signed off on, they need to. What are some of their action steps? I mean, they can call John Sirier with the. Yeah. Well, we need committee. to get a hearing. We need to get a hearing, so we need to call the chairman of the, uh, you know, tourism and recreation committee Got and it. and uh, ask for ask for that hearing immediately. Yep. And then, of course, calling the GLO, call, calling the governor and the lieutenant governor. Mm-hmm. They've been silent on this the whole time. They need to call them and put some pressure on them also. Mm-hmm. Here, here, here's one of my fears. People do not know that this is happening, okay? Mm-hmm. They may have heard a little thing here and there. Oh, they're going to want to change the Alamo. They don't know what we have found out in this last hearing, okay? They haven't seen the pictures. They haven't looked where they're moving the Cenotaph. They haven't. They don't know, okay? I think that's by design. So the first thing we need to do is people need to start asking questions themselves because if they start asking questions, they're going to find what we have found, okay, because it's there. And now we have even more of it than we ever had before. Mm -hmm. And they need to start calling their legislators and people and just start raising awareness. Because I really do believe in in the couple of people that I've talked to about Mm -hmm. this, um, their reaction afterwards is total freak out. Like, Mm -hmm. wait, what is going on? And I I think if we can just raise the awareness and force legislators to see what's going on, we're going to get movement. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Kyle Biederman's bill is an incredible way for us to help solve this problem. But honestly, that bill without awareness in the public mm-hmm. is not going to do much either. Okay? Yeah, but get a member. It is just 149 of us yep. Yep. here in the legislature. We're the we're it. I mean, we need the uh, citizens to, you know, hopefully make phone calls to try to put pressure on our legislators mm-hmm. right. to vote for this and get it into committee and then add a committee. But it is right. It is now the legislature. And, it and is we, us, and that's it. We're going to make the decision for the future and the history of our most sacred um, spot 
in the whole state of Texas, the Alamo. And it's going to happen right now. If we don't do it right now, in two years, it will be a different place and we won't be able to go back. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys, thank you so much for your willingness to come and sit down and have this conversation. I think it is something, like you said, Jonathan, when it comes to Texans' awareness of this issue, a lot of them just don't know what's happening. And I think the more that do understand what's happening, the more we'll take action. And, uh, you know, we really have two potential alternatives to the current plan, which one is that the legislature actually takes action, passes a bill, and stops this plan in its tracks. And the other to acknowledge is the fact that George P. Bush at any time could pull out of this as the land commissioner. I mean, he could end this entire discussion today. We will support him in doing so. And I told him today that you would be a hero for the state of Texas, and I would pull my legislation, and I wouldn't even, I won't expose what you have done um, if you will just work with me. So we actually are, that's on the table right now. There's still time to save face, save the Alamo, and remember it forever. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. God bless you. Thank you. Well, what a conversation. Uh, Was very grateful that they took time. Uh, Rounding up a couple legislators during the session can get a little busy uh, this time of year uh, and a little difficult, but I'm glad that they made the time to talk about it. Um, Again, I I don't think there's a whole lot more for us to say on this, Raz, other than just the fact that I hope Texans take note of it. I think it's kind of embarrassing that um, legislation addressing this issue is not flying through the legislature. Um, It's crazy to think that the governor and lieutenant governor and speaker are not in positions to just say, you know, maybe we should actually consider passing legislation that protects Texans and protects this um, land that we hold dear and sacred. And instead, we if we ignore this issue, I mean, the city of San Antonio is going to run over the state of Texas and they are going to completely rewrite history in front of us. It's going to be really embarrassing if um, conservatives and Republicans let that happen. So um, I don't know. Any other key takeaways from you, Raz? I think that the key is really what Stickland talked about at the end is saying that we get one shot at this. If we, if yeah. we let it be done wrong, we don't get yep. another take. And so it's an, mm-hmm. it's an incumbent upon us as the fiduciaries of that legacy to, to do something about it and to make sure this has got right. If that means going slow as far as how we develop the plan and, and going back to the drawing board, or if that means just stopping what's currently going on, either way, we only get one shot at this. We need to keep that in mind. Yep. Absolutely. So uh, give give our listeners just a quick update, Raz. Anything crazy on the federal side that you're seeing that you're interested in? <laughs> it's all crazy, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're, we're seeing lots of stuff happening. It's, it's unclear. Um, you know, right now, one of the biggest things that we talked about before is that in the Senate, they're moving forward trying to put some of these yep. big ticket items uh, on, you know, in committee hearings and talk about those while Pelosi is trying to stop those. Uh, there's yep. a great Wall Street Journal article talking about Beto's apology tour that he's been on for the last week or so since yep. announcing. Uh, that's really, really wild uh, because he's now being slapped down by these by the people that are focusing on political correctness for honestly, so many yep. of his comments he's been apologizing for are that yep. I, even if somebody doesn't like him, consider benign. But yep. it's his own people that are cutting his legs out from under him. So it, the presidential field continues to be an absolute just clown show, but it's going to be fun to watch. I'm buying popcorn. I, I, and I'm assuming we, well, I guess this will play on Monday, right? It's Friday that we're recording this, but um, I mean, we could see a Joe Biden announcement by Monday. We could see it sometime in the coming week or two, but yeah, I, it I'm is expected it. to enter. He's expected to enter here pretty soon. Um, and uh, and yeah, on the Texas side, if you're a conservative listening to this, you should uh, be no less disappointed that you've been than you have been over the last several weeks. Um, at the end of the day, Republican leaders in Austin still seem more focused on trying to um, 
create contentment amongst voters that voted for Mike Collier and Beto O'Rourke. And I want people to think about that real quick for just a second, because, you know, generally when you go out and vote to elect your representative, there's, there's generally, we have a representative Republican. It's this super cool idea that our founders had where you'd have a democratically elected representative Republic. And so Everyone gets to show up and we all get to vote. And two people clearly articulate their visions. I think Texas should be this. I think Texas should be this. And everyone votes. And generally, if your guy wins, it means that he has set an expectation for how he is to govern. But instead, you have Republican leaders saying, hey, why didn't more people vote for us? I mean, I know we won, but there were some people who didn't vote for us. What did they want? And now they're saying, how do we govern in such a way that they get the type of government that they voted to get? And it's quite astounding. I want you to think about this. Put, it, put yourself in the minority. What if we as Republicans went out and fought hard for somebody who ran on conservative principles? And on the other side, liberal Democrats ran hard and said, we want to grow government. We want to expand its involvement in your lives. We want to expand all these welfare programs. We want to put gun control in. We want to you know, expand abortion uh, access for people all over Texas. And then they won. But they only won by 51, 52, 53% of the vote. Do you think the Democrats would all get in and go, hey, so we didn't get 57, 58% of the vote. So, I mean, what do all those other people want? Oh, they want pro-life legislation? Let's, let's maybe look at passing some pro-life legislation. Oh, oh they, they want government capped? Well, let's pass some property tax reform. And then got all the Democrats together in the room and said, hey, guys, let's, let's do the same thing. Let's all pass legislation that those kind of moderate middle of the road Republican voters would want, and then they'll all like us and we'll win by bigger margins in two years. Can you imagine a Democrat legislature behaving like that? I mean, man, hell would freeze over before that would happen. But for some reason, Republicans think that this is the route to go right now. So you've got to continue to reach out to your legislators. You've got to tell them that you expect conservative results. And if they're not going to give them, then they can't expect conservatives to be incredibly enthused about the idea of keeping Republicans in power. Because if you're not going to try to govern according to what you promised the people that did vote for you in order to appease people that did not vote for you, then uh, you can't expect those same individuals to be grateful and to support you in future elections. It doesn't make sense. So anyways, that was me randomly getting upset again at Republican leaders in this state. But Raz, thank you for joining me. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please take action when it comes to the Alamo and um, continue to stay engaged, continue to stay informed, because if conservatives are not, we are not going to continue to preserve the small amount of liberty that we have in this state. So guys, keep that in mind. Raz, thank you for joining me today. My pleasure, sir. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messias Show. If you value this content and want our message to spread, please consider three of the following steps. One, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on and leave us a review. Two, visit lukemessias.com and sign up for our email alerts. And three, follow Raz and I on Twitter and visit my Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Luke 
Texas. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Luke Macias, Texas. Thank you so much and God bless.